All right, hello guys. Welcome back. It's been a while to Dozing in the Morning with myself, Dozy, and Mike Simmons in the house. What up? So, uh, man, a lot of stuff has gone down, but uh, so you, Mike, the last time I called you, you were feeling a little down and, you know, a little sick. So I was wondering, like, what was what's happening? And could you brief us in? Uh, yeah, I uh, tested positive for coronavirus. Um... I started to feel sick last Wednesday. Um, had like a fever of 101, and uh, I was just feeling really congested. And so I decided to get tested that Thursday. Yeah. And then my test results came in on Saturday, saying that I tested positive. Damn. So I've just been quarantining for the past week. Um, I got another week of quarantine before I can actually leave the house. So, um, yeah, it hasn't been too bad. I think it was a pretty mild case. I uh, never had the difficulty breathing or anything. So, and I think I'm pretty much through it now. Nice, nice. Yeah, I know for a lot of people, it's either asymptomatic or they either have, like, mild symptoms. But, and then, like, there's some severe cases, obviously. Um, but I've, I've been seeing a lot of crazy stories regarding the coronavirus. Some instances is like people have less oxygen to their brain because of decreased lung capacity or there's like strokes or blood clots or crazy stuff like that. Or there's like an equivalent of toxic shock syndrome in children. So there's like inflammation in their, their skin, their swelling and all that crazy stuff. So I'm always reading stuff on that. I'm always reading uh, this thing on the news and it scares the like, living daylights out of me. But I'm not going to lie. Happy that you're you're recovered quickly. I think I had it back in like January or February. There was like a time where I was super sick and I had a fever. And usually when I have a cold, I'm able to recover like quickly. But in this case, like I think it's between January, February and March, I had like a stupid cough. Like I was coughing so much. So I had to go to the urgent care center like three times to figure out what was figure out what was going on. And they said I had acute bronchitis, whatever that was. And so because my immune system was so high and it was so elevated that there's particles in the air, I guess it was reacting to. My sister said it was bullshit. She's like, really? You've never had bronchitis before. Like, you've never coughed this much from being sick. You probably just had COVID. And I told my principal at the time, I was like, look, I don't know if I could come in. I've been having fevers for the past, like, two weeks. And she said, she was like, you know what? I need you to come in, figure out what you can do, because we got nine teachers out. And I was like, nine teachers out? A regular flu can't take out nine teachers. So I'm pretty sure it was spreading around between, like, January, February, March, those, those like, those three months. At the end of the day, like, we already knew that this virus was already active December last year. So it could very well, very well be that, you know, COVID was already spreading around in the first months of the 2020 yeah i mean one of the the symptoms that they don't really tell you about is the loss of smell and loss of taste it's it's definitely a weird sensation not being able to smell anything um, you never think about how often you use your sense of smell until you lose it <laughs> um, so so it's just like i mean it, it's it's kind of like a blessing and a curse type thing like obviously i can't smell things that stink either but, I mean, yeah. it's nice to be able to smell, like, you know, my deodorant and 
Yeah. It's just like plants and stuff when I go outside um, to walk my dog. Yeah. So um, it's it is what it is. I should get that back in a few weeks. Yeah. I mean, my thing is it's like smell, like taste. That actually like I kind of take that for granted. You know, like when you're eating stuff and you can't smell. Like if I'm eating something, I remember I was losing some smell some time ago, and I, I was like pissed off. Like it doesn't put me in a good mood to be able to like not be able to like taste what I'm eating. It's just like it's just, it's just weirds me out. Yeah. Anyway, let's uh let's jump into it. Um, jump into it. I wanted to just kind of start off with this topic about math. Um, I recently saw a tweet on Twitter. Nice. Where some rapper or some person in music was saying something along the lines of, "We need to teach more." finance and how to do taxes in school. I've never had to use math in real life. I've never used MX plus B. (laughs) And I think we need to stop allowing rappers and the self-proclaimed entrepreneurs from saying dumb shit like that. Because math, we use math every, everywhere, literally. Um, First of all, you can't do finance and taxes without math. Like (laughs) you need math in its most basic form to even do those things. So it's dumb when people say we need to teach finance and taxes in school because that's math. Um, (laughs) You you can't (laughs) you can't take like people don't understand, like at its most basic form, like math is is one of the if not the most powerful tools we can use as humans in this universe, you know. It's with without math, none of anything would be possible if it weren't for the civil engineers doing their rigorous calculations so that they could build your home. Your home would fall over every time there was an earthquake or some natural disaster. If it weren't for the electrical engineers designing the transmission systems that deliver electricity to your house, you wouldn't have fucking electricity. Would there be no electricity without math? If it weren't for the mechanical engineers that design the gear ratios and the um, fuel ratio in your car, you wouldn't have a fucking vehicle. It's, it's, it's math is literally everywhere. And it's one of the most powerful tools we could ever use. And like I said, we need to kind of stop allowing rappers and these self-proclaimed entrepreneurs to tell you that math is useless when it's a necessity in this world. I think that we need to start teaching our kids the power of math and let them know that there's things that you can be other than a fucking rapper or a ball player. And That's math true. is the way to do it. Literally, you, in any other profession, you can be an engineered engineer. I, as an engineer, I use math every day um, as a doctor. Doctors have to use math to a certain extent. Um, right. An accountant, bro. They yeah. nothing but fucking math, and they yeah. make big money. Yeah. And, you know, they that's one of those things. They said finance, like, oh well, if you have someone do, if you have an accountant do your finances, I guarantee you they're a wizard at math. So if you right. learn how to do math yourself, then you wouldn't have to fucking hire somebody, and you could save that money. So that's it's true. just it's just one of those things that I feel like we need to start teaching our kids, our black youth in particular that math is a very important tool that we use in life right um it's it's not 
life isn't as simple. Like life would be way too simple if there was no such thing as math. Mankind wouldn't have progressed anywhere near to the point that it is now if it weren't for math. So I, that's just my little blurb of the day. Um, you have yeah, anything I can't to argue. add on that? I mean, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly with everything. I can't really argue with anything that's been said. I think speaking from like a science standpoint as well, like math goes into science. A lot of the biochemical reactions that happen on our body are math based, you know, like um, how our brains, you know, interpret electrical stimuli, right? And how they're, our, you know, how we have electrical stimuli firing through our neurons. That's all mathematical, right? There has to be some type of electrochemical grade. It's like, there's like a, math is like a, it's it's like a kind of a a recipe for nature. It's like there's like some type of formula formulaic uh, method well, to the madness well, that's going on in our bodies. I, I would say that math helps us understand nature. It helps us understand everything around us. It helps us quantify things. It helps us create statistics. Um, right. You know, if you're a social worker, like you need math to run statistics on how many people. Right are in a certain demographic or right, whatever right. type of, you know, um, when you do your study, like you run the statistics based with math, <laughs> like you can't, there's really nowhere you can look in life that doesn't utilize math. You know, even, even like people who make music, like beats per second, like, you know, when you're keeping a rhythm, like you're mm-hmm. counting, you're using math, like yeah. it, it's, it's, it's a part of everybody's life, whether you recognize it or not, even in the most basic of forms. So as I was saying, you just can't say, oh, we need to stop teaching kids MX plus B in school. It's not that fucking simple. Even trigonometry, like it's everywhere in our lives. So, you know, if people understand the power of that, Mm. they can really bring themselves out of this limited mind frame of I'm going to be a rapper or a ball player, Mm. or I'm going to be some kind of entrepreneur and I'm going to hustle my way out the hood, you know, type shit. (laughs) Like (laughs) you, (laughs) there, there are so like, you're just, all you're doing is limiting your potential as to what you can be. You know, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing to become a rapper or a ball player or to become a self-proclaimed entrepreneur. But I'm saying that's not for everybody. You no, have to, not. you have to, even the self-proclaimed entrepreneurs have to use math. So, yeah. so, so it's just like, even scammers have to use math at some point. Yeah. You can't limit, <laughs> you can't limit your ideas of what black people can be to like your, your success. You can't quantify your success to other black people because we, who knows, like the, some genius mathematician could be in the hood right now, but because fucking Tony on the corner says math is stupid and you just got to hustle to make it, he might not ever become that person. And yeah. it's, and it's, you know, it's just really sad. You know, someone could have a crazy technological breakthrough uh-huh. or could have had a crazy technological breakthrough, but because they were limited to this idea that, math is corny and math is stupid they are unable to reach that potential and you know that's 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 all i got to say on the matter <laughs> um i mean you're totally correct i feel like 
in some instances it's not encouraged in certain how it's just like i'll share a story i think my first year uh teaching at middle school there was this uh there was this night called pi night where students had to uh, memorize the digits of pi like 3.14 whatever and you know only a certain demographic of people showed up for that night and no one else did and i think that attitude starts with how people treat math like you're just saying like I think there's a stigma around math, and I feel like there shouldn't be a stigma around math. I feel like people should wholeheartedly buy into what math is and what what it teaches, just like art, just like English, right? Because at the end of the day, it's 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 it breathes life into what you're doing, right? I think math for me is the most. I enjoy. I, I'll be honest. I enjoyed history in school, but I think what kept me always focused on math was how it made you try to it made you think logically and critically and i think that that skill set it teaches you lasts you for a whole long like a, a while lasts you a long time the, re, the willingness to break down to do things logically and i feel like a lot of people miss out on that by the way they treat math especially in a lot of a lot of neighborhoods where math necessarily is not seen as cool like people who like math, who want to do math, right? There's a certain jealousy some kids may have towards those other kids. And then they'll call them a nerd or call them like a weirdo for liking math. But instead, that should be encouraged. And I always try to encourage all the time. But, you know, like when it's in middle school or high school, you want to fit in with your peers and you want to do the cool thing. So you may not want to express your love for math. That, But that, that attitude carries into life, you know? Because for me, I've always, um, I've always, I, I never really liked math till about seventh or eighth grade. I th- actually, pretty much when I took algebra, I hated math. Like that was my worst subject. But I, I think, mean, it's a it's a difficult like math is definitely difficult, but right. it's difficult for a reason. Because if you, yeah. if you if you because you can't change it. Right. You, you if you get a right answer and you show the mathematical proof, yeah. there's no proving otherwise. There's no proving that otherwise. that you have that you have the wrong answer if if it's correct. You know, if you did followed all the steps correctly and you have a mathematical proof yeah. of something, there's no debating it. And that's the the crazy like powerfulness of it is that you can come up with a solution to something just by manipulating a bunch of equations, and and it can be the answer to whatever it could have been you know a crazy math equation was yeah. responsible for the moon landing like right uh, right <laughs> um but i'm just yeah. i'm just saying that like you having that attitude towards math opens a lot of doors for you career right i feel like there are a lot of kids who don't a lot of people in general who don't like really buy into that idea like the more the higher you take math the older you get when you start your college career and a college major there's a whole bunch of more options to look at in terms of what career to pursue honestly instead of us getting all the you know people from overseas to do these jobs if you were able to really focus on math and really take it to the next level you can really open a lot of doors but there is a reason for that i know there's a reason for that you know our schools are not perfect um no one's a perfect teacher i'm not a perfect teacher but at the same time i think it's our like I said, it's our attitude towards math 
and how we yeah, treat I mean, it. It's it's definitely our culture. Um, and I I hate to kind of be a stereotype. Well, other cultures definitely promote math a lot better than ours does. Yeah. And you know there there's you know the 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 stigma that a- Asian people are typically good at math. And I feel like that's attributed to their culture really embracing math right. and the power right. of it. You and know, let me it, let me let me just let me just add this argument. There's no one race that's smarter than the other. There's no one race that can think more clearly than the other. It's just the attitude. When you look at these parents, and I used to hang around Asian students when I was a student, and if you tell if they tell you the punishments they got for getting a bad grade or or a B or something on a math test. That is the motivation to get a good grade. It's not about the inherent smartness whatsoever. I've met some of the smartest kids I've met were are black students, but because they got either in trouble or they got on probation or whatever, they couldn't further their um, they couldn't further their you know their education, especially in middle school or uh, or high school. So it's it's not even about that, but it's just the attitude behind it. Yeah, and I think as a not even just within the black community, but as a whole country, you know, we're not very big on education. You already have Trump threatening to cut education budgets if people don't go back to school. Right. Um, education budgets that are already pretty slim. Um, so it's just things like that. Like in this country, I don't think we really promote education as much as I mean, of course, everyone claims that they want the best education for their child. But in reality, you know, we're not providing our our country's not providing that for us. The only way to provide a good education to your child is to send them to some is to hopefully be in a good school district or send them to some private school. Private school. Yeah. And then you have to then if they make it through that, they have to be willing to take the next step to college and further their education in a way that can be beneficial to society. And, um, you know, that I just don't feel right now, at least in this current climate, that that's what we're really pushing for for our kids. And it's it's really sad. And it, it kind of shows in just the way that Americans act, um, yeah. you know, all these these people refusing to have empathy for other people. Um, it's just like this idea that everything's always about them. It just kind of reflects our education system. And where it's failing yeah. kids at a, from a young age and it's not, you know, showing them the way to be a better human. And you know what? I, I think this transcends class because I think, you know, if you're a lot of parents in upper middle class backgrounds, they don't want their kids staying at home learning. They want their kids in, in school. But a lot of times uh, it, it's just it's just differs. I, th- I think there's a story that's saying like three out of ten black and brown uh Three out of three out of ten black and brown households are having trouble paying for, are having trouble with their finances in this time, are having trouble with food, having trouble paying rent. So I think that these parents they need to work. So I think it's just our the way our system is set up. I think money is most important asset in our society right now, and I think it's just that's the whole thing exposed it. This whole virus exposed it. Like the reason why Trump wants those kids to go to back to school is it partly is because to learn. Yeah, obviously, right, but there's an underlying factor, which means, which is that those parents are able to work, have to work to continue to power the economy. And I think that what these kids are being exposed to is the ugly truth behind how their society is run. And I think that 
you know, it's it's kind of sad, but at the same time, that's what it, what what the truth is. You know, people have to work. People have to make money to keep their economy going. And I think that the the love of learning gets lost in that mix. When you look at the economy, when we look at how, what people have to do to make money and survive, the love of learning gets kind of construed, and it becomes more like, what can I do to get this money? And like people, I think people are not understanding that. Like, you have to buy into the idea of liking the subject, liking math, and trying to go further in it rather than just looking at, you know, how and, me, 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 money, money, money. And I, this all going to come. I understand how important that is. But like you're just saying, it sometimes becomes too much of a priority versus just learning what learning the subject. And, and, and I think what's also important is people have to realize that not everyone is fucking um, Jeff Bezos or Steve Jobs or not Bill Gates. Jeff Bezos, like you it, it, for them to have become who they are. I actually saw something interesting on on Twitter the other day about how Jeff Bezos's parents donated him like over two hundred thousand dollars so that he could keep Amazon running in its early stages. And it's it's shit like that that that's not necessarily told to you about these billionaires and how they got their wealth. And it wasn't just a hundred percent self-made Oh, I fucking went in my garage and got to fucking work and made this from scratch. It was my parents gave me this huge loan to jumpstart my business. <laughs> and that's I was how reading it... <laughs> about the fucking CEO of Snapchat the other day because I was thinking earlier, like, Snapchat, what, what the fuck is it? You look at the code behind Snap. It's not that complicated. So it's just like, really, you post pictures about yourself. You have a little news feed. That's about it. And then you can geotag your photos, right? But like, the CEO. Grew up in, like, some rich Los Angeles town. He was part of a country club when he was a teenager. So he had a very comfortable life going into college. So it wasn't like he started from nothing. Like, his, I think both of his parents were lawyers. Then he went to Stanford. Then he met two other. He went, like, a programmer and another person. So it's like, like a lot of these CEOs you're, you're meeting, especially in the tech world, they're not coming from nothing. They're not coming from the mud or getting it out of nothing. Like, they're not, like, they're, they're people who are already living a comfortable lifestyle but also they have the means to you know they have the means to stretch for their ideas and make it happen because of their connections and because of the money behind them yeah and so yeah people just kind of use these billionaires as an excuse as to why education the education system might not be that important and And, and you got to look at it like, you know, it, it's just like becoming an NBA player. You're, uh, some kids' chances of becoming an NBA yeah. player are extremely slim. Yeah. To become a billionaire, it's even slimmer than that. Slimmer. Like, you have to be you have to be the right place, the right time, like the, you know, the right situation. Everything has to be perfect. Everything was right there for the taking for these people. Yeah. And just life just kind of happened for them. And that is extremely rare. And so normally the, the way out of I saw a study somewhere that that a college degree increases your likelihood of making it out of poverty. Some crazy number like 60 percent or a very high percentage to get out of to make it out of poverty. And I think that that num that statistic should be utilized when trying to persuade people to go to college in that. It's very 
yes, you could roll the dice and make it being success a successful entrepreneur. But going to school, you can still do that and go to school. It's not going to hurt mm-hmm. anything. Mm-hmm. Education is not going to impede anything in your life. It can only make it it can only broaden your perspective and give you more knowledge to to succeed. So, you know, I just think that's something that we need to stress more in our society and kind of not take for granted um, all the grants and loans that are out there to help you uh, get to these goals. So I think this, this is the best time, you know, in history. I mean, I think every, I think every year it gets in terms of education, in terms of they're really trying to nowadays, especially with everything going on, trying to open the doors, especially for black and brown kids to study math, to take it further. There's scholarships available. So I think that more, and I won't, I won't put on the parents. I just think I'll put on, I'll put on all of us, you know, like more of us have to be willing to open our minds and open our, open our hearts and open our minds into what, um, not even talking about math or STEM, but like just really taking the stuff seriously and taking the stuff, seeing where it can get us because like it opens doors. It, it opens paths to careers that are high paying. It opens a path to a career that is fulfilling. And it also changes your mind to be more, um, more more lo- more logically like to do like you can deduce things logically better it, it makes you a better it makes you a better problem solver you know mm-hmm. math and history and art are very important how your brain can develop and very important critical thinking very important self-expression they're all very important subjects but like math like we said we're taking people from overseas to do these jobs because we don't have enough people to doing them so taking math seriously and I know certain communities really do. They take this stuff so seriously because a lot of our, you know, a lot of our ethnic communities, especially Asian communities, they really they don't come from much. Some of them are coming from, you know, the um, countries that or have, have had a civil war, had something else. So they, they recognize, OK, if you can do this subject, if you can do it well, you know, that education can open doors for you. They'll give you money. They'll give you a scholarship. So that's what. A lot of these, they drill into their kids. That's what a lot of them are really chasing. Like, there's money in these things. It's not just the NBA. It's not just the NFL. But there's money in the scholarship. There's money in the opportunity. So just train, telling our kids, yeah, you, you, I know you need money right now, but there's money in the scholarships. There's money in the opportunity versus just looking at the extreme cases of the NFL and NBA because, you know, that's like 0.6. But any kid growing up in the hood that wants to be an accountant, and if they finish college, I, I'm pretty sure you have an 80% chance of landing a job within the first couple three months so we really got to teach those statistics and teach that math to them like you can have this job it's there it's waiting for you You just have to go to have to go grab it exactly all right yeah but i mean like we said like just just to end that point about math i know i had a whole bunch of stuff here about how you can see math in nature and stuff like that uh um but yeah i mean I think it's just more important to just to stress about how it can, how math can impact society and how math can impact your life if you really take it seriously and take it forward, take it forward. Definitely. But, yeah. but speaking at speaking, pivoting from the subject, talk about some uh, talk about some fades, shall we? <laughs> ah shit. <laughs> <laughs> what's your yeah? What's your what's your fade game looking like right now? Man, I haven't been to the barber shop and I actually went like maybe a month ago when they allowed things to open up again. Right. 
Um, I got I got a haircut, um, but I haven't been. Then usually, like I, I go every two weeks from there. But because I got COVID, I got a I had to quarantine again, and I'm just yeah. gonna kind of my my hair is back to looking musty. <laughs> oh, bro, I haven't I haven't cut my hair in four months, so it's all bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I've seen you. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I bought my I bought I bought a pair of Clippers. I bought Clipper attachments. So I'm, I'm ready to go. I got the Andy's T outliners with me. my barber told me, I was like, what should I use to trim my hair and my beard? Because since you're not going to cut my hair, he's like, oh, yeah, get the Andy's T outliner. So I got that. So I'm ready to go. So I'm going to start lining myself up. But if you guys see me with a Z-shaped hairline, just know that I've been trying. Yeah. But um, most importantly, um, let's talk about how COVID shutdown is affecting black business and The reason why I brought up barbershops and haircuts, because, you know, barbershops and hair hair salons are very important to the black community in terms of entrepreneurship. They teach entrepreneurship. They're great for culturally sharing ideas. And it's also a great way to also let off steam after like a a tough week and like get to be around people that look like you and have and have fun. Talk about sports, kick it, talk about whatever you want. Sometimes some things you, you talk about, you can't really say anywhere else, especially when it comes to some certain aspects, <laughs> but uh, uh, right now a lot of them can't open because of COVID, especially in the Bay Area. So a lot of them haven't been open for three or four months. And my barber was saying like, you know, I might do house calls and stuff like that. But I had an idea. I talked to my sister about it, and I think it it, it would be. I'm gonna I'm going to bring it up later on, but I'm just gonna talk about how this COVID shutdown is affecting Black business in general and how bad it is in terms of money and money inflow. So just as an overview, right, there's the there's this nonprofit business nonprofit organization called the Center for Responsible Lending. It fights abusive lending practices and they did a study and they said that the minority owned businesses are going to be the hardest hit by the pandemic. Right. Thirty percent of white people right now are able to work from home compared to twenty percent. And that kind of is a horrible statistic. And so our coronavirus stimulus bill that was passed a couple months ago um, allowed for the bailout of various industries, particularly in small business. But however, you have to be a certain small business to get money, right? So there's $350 billion in low interest loans for small businesses. However, the study conducted by the Center for Responsible Lending found that 95% of African Americans are ineligible to receive such loans. This also affects barbershops, which are popular black business so it's kind of a a big dilemma right now and it's important because you know barbershops are pretty much a cultural epicenter in the community and without revenue generation a lot of barbers they can't pay for their their rent their car you know they can't pay for a lot of things especially providing for their family and the way barbershops operate is that they actually rent out their space from the barber so there's, there, there's the barbershop is usually open by someone who allows their booth space to be rented out. And barbers must pay the person who owns a barbershop a certain percentage at the end of each, I think, week or something like that in order to keep their booth open and active. But due to COVID, you shut down the barbershop. How are barbers supposed to earn money? Right. They got to pay bills. Right. So and our paycheck protection program might cut a lot of African-American owned businesses out. So I was talking to my sister about this, and she said, you know, why don't we 
have it outside. Why don't we take our barbershops outside, our hair salons outside, and have them at a park somewhere or just have it in a parking lot where customers just wait in their cars, right? Keep the windows up and they're, they're able to socially distance. You put the markers on the ground and then you have like a little tent and then there'll be someone that can like stand, right? There'll be like, like some, maybe some secretary or some, de- some desk where people can check in, right? And they check in and wait and then, or they go back to their cars. And then after a while, they'll get a text notification saying that they can come up and get a haircut and then leave. And then so there wouldn't be too many people hanging around. I was just wondering what your ideas on all that was. Um, yeah, so my barbershop was doing something pretty similar to that. Um, they still were letting people inside, but pretty much you came and checked in and then you they told you to go back to your car and wait for them to call you. And then you could come in and sit in the chair. So they were definitely limiting the amount of people that can enter the building. So that's right. kind of the same idea. But I guess when you're outside, COVID transmits less frequently. Right. So so moving outside could be a good idea. It would just be kind of hard for them to probably set up power for their um, for their clippers. That's what I'm um, saying. They'd have to have so long-ass like- extension cords or something. But it could work or they'd have to have like some kind of power generator power generator or they could be they don't have to even be in their own parking so my thing is my thing is this a lot of um like a lot there's a lot of empty lots that you can use and like like they can operate like behind they can cut a deal with like the mayor or cut a deal with like city officials saying hey can i operate in your zone and can i just mark off this like every like let's say every 3 days we're open so like mondays Wednesdays and Fridays, and then for a limited amount of time, maybe from like I don't know, 12 to 4, we're operating in you know the back of this like store where there's electrical outlets and just because you don't really need much to cut hair, all you need is clippers and electrical, um, electrical like an electric source. So I, I just think I think I think it's important to just keep that sense of entrepreneurship alive because like a barbershop is a place is pretty much an epicenter for black entrepreneurship. Like me growing up, I didn't see a lot of people owning black people owning businesses, but like when it came to barbershops, like that was one place like I knew like, okay, that's, that's, that's a, that's a place of, you know, that's a place of business that I felt pride in. So I think that staying open is, is so important. They should find some way to like, like a creative way just to like try to stay open. I don't know. But I um, think that, well, like I said, I think that, I mean, I think we might have, they might have got shut down again because of the second COVID wave. That was really just the first wave that never ended. Um, I, they might have got shut down again, but my barbershop was open for a little bit um, when they were entering the phase four of COVID or whatever they were calling it. So it's definitely an option. I, I don't think that they necessarily need to move it outside. I think that as long as they're limiting the amount of customers that come in and they're just like focusing on, you know, instead of like waiting in the bar in the waiting room of the barbershop or whatever, you know, people just have to wait in their cars and they can text you and tell you when it's time to come in. I think that's kind of the best way to kind of, open barbershops back up just because 
you know, part of being in the bar, the barbershop experience is being in the chair and yeah. you know, talking to your barber and listening to the rest of the barbers talk shit. Yeah. So, I mean, kind of moving that outside would, I feel like that might reduce it a bit, reduce that experience. I mean, it's already going to be reduced just by people, by you having to come in one by one. But I just feel like the atmosphere, like the TVs going inside the shop, the music being played inside the shop is kind of like part of the atmosphere and the pride that you feel when you do go to the barbershop. That's true. And that also ties into like teaching. Like a lot of these things are being shut down when it comes to like teachers, when it comes to a lot of stuff we have to be in person to do. Like I remember like taking an online class one time after class, like it was like some coding online thing. And I remember, like, I can't learn shit if, I, if I'm just staring at a screen. Like, that experience you get from, like, getting your haircut, like, getting your haircut, like, is more fulfilling when you're when it's in person. But just going off of that, do you feel like our governor's doing a great when it comes to black, when it comes to just any minority-owned business in general? Like, we are not protected by the Paycheck Protection Program. So with this shutdown, that's gonna happen for like fucking I don't know six more months. Is this good for us or not? Uh, just depends on what kind of business you have. Barbershops, definitely, definitely not. But, you know, I, I've actually been making it a point to buy a lot more from black owned businesses. Um, I just bought some laundry detergent from a black chemist, some cleaning supplies from a black chemist, uh, some gardening tools from uh, a black gardener. Uh, oh, plug those in. We, we need to know about oh. them. Oh yeah, I mean just just follow on Instagram We Buy Black. They uh they they post all the so I, I just kind of anytime they post something I'm interested in I just save it as an Instagram post and then when I'm ready to buy I buy. So I just recently bought um, some gardening tools from Barn Owl USA. It's run by a black woman. I'm not sure of her name, but um. Yeah, I just bought some tools from her. There's like this uh, this det- uh, laundry detergent company called from the True Products. Also run by a black woman. Um, I'm about to buy some toothpaste from this black guy. Um, or it's like tooth care products. Um, so I'm, I've been slowly trying to replace all of my like stuff that I just get at the store with the black version of it and it might be a little bit more expensive because i got to ship it to my house instead of just being able to go to the store and buy it but i think it's worth it because actually one of my my roommate i saw her post a something on instagram recently as well where a lot of the companies that we utilize like they utilize prison labor and i was just like damn like you would have never even thought about it like crest the toothpaste they utilize prison labor uh, tied laundry detergent they utilize prison labor what just all these all these like basic things that we use in light and just like our, our homes every day these companies uh, a lot of the companies use prison labor and so it's it's one of those things where obviously they don't broadcast it and tell you about it but it doesn't make it still it, it, it doesn't mean it's not true so that's why, like, I've I've been trying to make it more of a point to buy from these black owned businesses 
just so I can support a community that I know won't try to profit off the backs of people that they've known or people that are incarcerated. Damn. So, I'm looking at it right now. I'm kind of trusting a couple of these right now. I didn't even... Yeah, Brandon actually put me on to to this to this We Buy Black. Yeah. I know he posted something. There's actually like a, a black sandwich shop in the Bay Area. I need to go to that stuff. I think it's on the yeah. Alameda. I think it's on the I Alameda mean, or something. I might hit that up. I would say like the, the only issue with the you know black owned businesses is you can you can try to find them but they might just not be in your area because there's certain services that you know I like to get done but and I've tried to find a black person that can do them but they're just kind of niche services that might not be like they probably exist but just not in my area so like uh just like a contractor to change my countertops or yeah. an electrical contractor to come like change my lighting in my house like th- those kind of things are what's kind of harder to find but with products i can i can just have that stuff shipped true true yeah if there was a way to, for me to get like black owned computer and phone <laughs> i'd probably do that but, uh, yeah so, so so i would definitely say that like service black type service businesses like barbershops or hair salons or nail salons those are essential yeah those those type of businesses are probably the ones that are struggling the most and unfortunately those are the businesses that are most run by black people those are probably make up most of the black owned businesses or in the in the country um so it's unfortunate that those are the ones that have to suffer but there are other black businesses that you can support that are probably actually having a lot of success right now due to the current climate. So, um, you know, just do what you can. Yeah, I'm looking to some of the skincare and hair stuff and vegan CBD gummies. Also, there's like a bookstore. I might buy a couple books to see what I can do. Yeah, so they they post stuff from all over the country. And like I said, there's, there's some stuff that it, it might not be in my wheelhouse right now um just because they they might be too far or you know it yeah. can get pretty expensive to have all this stuff shipped to your house consistently but you know i i've definitely been trying to make it more of a point for things that that anytime like i recognize a need for something i definitely try to find a black business that sells that need nice yeah there's a watch company too that's nice i haven't had a watch in a while yeah but yeah I think I think what we should do next is just try to figure out like plug some companies and see what we're see what we can do. I think going off that, you know, I don't I don't think I expressed what I that um thing here, but I was gonna do a topic on gun ownership and whether more black people should. Because I was talking with my friend about it and we were kind of worried like we were just like i don't know what the state of this country is i don't know you know what's going on right now should more black people own guns should we be more assertive and more protective of ourselves should we go to rain gun range stores and actually practice shooting on the range? like should we practice some of these skills that we necessarily wanted to shy away from but actually embrace it and try to 
I don't know. It, it, it's, it, it's an interesting topic that I never really have been thinking about, but I never got the chance to say it. So I'm just going to like put that out there. Like, what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've never been a person that's been 100% against guns. Yeah. Um, I definitely think we need more gun control, but I'm not against gun ownership if it's done responsibly. You know, I have friends that own guns and they're 100% responsible with their guns. You know, they just like to shoot them. They like the engineering that goes behind them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like he, he took me out shooting. It is fun to to shoot a gun, like especially if you're getting one that's like so, you know, he showed me the difference between like a pistol and then like a, a very a rifle. A rifle was super smooth, like the way to shoot it. And a pistol has a lot of, you know, kickback to it. So it's not yeah. <laughs> I didn't like shooting the pistol, but I like shooting the <laughs> rifle. And oh, so okay. I thought the rifle was more high. Like, the rifle had more. I thought the rifle would have more kick because it's a bigger weapon. I don't know. Well, I, it just depends on the. I guess it depends on the gun. I don't know much about guns, but the 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 pistol definitely has a lot of kickback to it. Um, this might not have been like a huge rifle, but it was. It was definitely a lot smoother to shoot, and so. But that being said, like I, I I'm a hundred percent for black gun ownership. I think we should ha- you know, be able to protect ourselves in a situation. The only thing that would scare me off of that is the fact that we're already killed. So we're killed so often for believing for the thought that we have a gun. So actually having it would put you at put us at even more risk would be my fear with that. Yeah, that yeah, but I mean, that was, go ahead. That was- my fear as well because there was this incident where this black young black man was carrying a bb gun in walmart and then someone called the cops on him he got immediately shot down so that was that's i don't know i watched the video that scarred me for a bit so i was like i was not really in my mind thinking about gun ownership but i remember having this neighbor um next to me he was a trump supporter and he was so adamant owning guns but this guy had like a collection and he was so adamant on it and I'm like, if I'm in this country, I'm surrounded by people like that. I feel like I should protect myself the same way. You know, if I'm, I don't want to ever, you know, like if you, you have your Ahmad Arbery's, you have people who get caught up in these situations and, or Trayvon Martin for that instance. And if him, you know, I think he just did, did Trayvon Martin just turn 18. Like if he was a license, if people were licensed gun owners and people are especially, are, are, are people picking on certain black men thinking that, oh, you know, they're an easy target. But if you have, if you're a licensed gun owner and you're able to show that you can protect yourself and able to put yourself in situations to assert yourself, but you know, would would these incidents go down? And that's that's the thing I think about. I mean, so the that would kind of be the, and it would also give more. And this goes back to like about you know the the thought of black people having a gun already gets them shot. You know, and then it would give it would just give the media kind of more information. Like if the so say a a black man has a gun, but he's legally allowed to have it. He has a license to carry all that, but he gets shot and killed. Now, the media will take that to say he had a gun and like they won't really the, the media will use that idea to demonize him instead of promoting the idea that he was legally allowed to have a gun. And that, that's kind of the 
the debate that I would kind of have internally, whether it's worth it or not. You know, I mean, in, in your own home, definitely. But I, I think we should, you know, think twice a little bit about, you know, really taking those open carry laws to heart, um, you know, to protect your home 100 percent, you know, stock up. But I definitely wouldn't recommend carrying one around outside like these white people protesting COVID. Yeah, I just I, I just sometimes I think, man, like because we, we don't have a whole culture on this, like being outdoorsy or survivalist type of people like i don't know it's very popular amongst white people to be like oh we're in the woods for three days no food no water i need to get my own food and water like to eat this leaf or berry in the woods like that type of shit and we're watching tv like they're fucking crazy but some of the some part of me also believes like maybe we should have some of those survivalist techniques maybe we should be more outdoorsy as as and and kind of make it popular you know make it so we should have that confidence in our. I feel like being outdoorsy and having that sense of, you know, knowing your way how to knowing knowing how to work certain things or knowing how to operate certain in certain ways when you're outside your element, makes us more comfortable as as a people, and makes us more, you know, assertive, and stuff like that. Obviously, I don't know how what it would change, but I this whole incident, all this all this stuff is making me think like, what should we do differently and how should we go about things you know um but yeah this is like certain things that we don't really embrace like sharpshooting hunting fishing stuff like that can't you know can't be like that's not popular especially we, in nigeria I mean, we like, used we don't to, camp like oh uh, well, well what i'm saying well i mean you we used to back in the motherland that's all we did all we but, did yeah you know, <laughs> like that that the, the problem with black, I mean, that's the issue with black American today is that, you know, that culture was stripped from us. Um, you know, like, like I, I'm sure there's, I mean, I, I don't know, you can speak more on <laughs> Nigeria than I can, but, you know, I'm sure there's, are, are there still tribes there that would kind of have that outdoorsy feel, I mean, outdoorsy feel where, well, you know, they kind of just live off the land. A little bit like there's villages and stuff like that. It's kind of cut off from the city, obviously. But I mean, what modernization and westernization has kind of plagued Nigeria so much. So it's like, I mean, there's still a lot of you know people that live on their own, especially in like far like villages that are secluded and stuff like that. But obviously, for for my family background, it's like not really a thing. Like we don't have that culture amongst our family or other families that I know of. I mean, in Africa, there. In general, in Africa, there's so, so many different countries and tribes that do utilize, live off the land and stuff like that. But for me, speaking from Nigeria, and I can't really speak because I'm a first-generation kid, but from my experience of me going back to Nigeria years ago, like, there's not a lot of, like, out, there's not a lot of outdoor, there's still, like, there's not a lot of outdoorsiness, but there's, like, a West, there's, like, a Western element influenced in it. So, I yeah. you would get that more if you go to the village. The villages are, like, where... You know, it's like they're kind of like small town. They're like small communities from where people originate. So most people would have like originate from the village and then go to the townships. So like my dad, he was born in the village, but then he schooled later in the town and then he got his education to come to America. So like people be born there and go to. But some people are already born rich. They're already born in the township. But mm -hmm. a lot of times like people would originate from the village 
So when I say like, where are you from? You're like, you say I'm from this state because your village is not in that state, sometimes that type of thing. Yeah, and I, I think also like kind of a, a difference comes by white people do like the outdoorsy shit for fun. Yeah. You know, for for us like originally in our culture or before it was stripped away from us. I don't think it. We didn't do it for fun. We did it for to survive. Yeah, because that's all um, you. Had. That was your. That was your place. Like. Like, yeah. you're, you're in the middle of what like you're in the middle of a freaking vegetation everywhere like that you have to make a living out of that so that was that was ingrained in us but like that also especially with colonization everything that 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 western way of life i think was like it kind of whittled away something you know we adopted a lot of things from you know british when they came so it kind of whittled away at how we viewed our our natural habitat as well yeah, definitely. Yeah, so just uh, just to piggyback off that, you know, um, I think just going, I think for me, um, what I take away from this conversation the most is, aside from, you know, just my recent rant on being outdoorsy, and aside from, you know, uh, barbershops and entrepreneurship, I think what your, your point about math, you know, your point about how we should treat the attitude towards education in this country is the most important thing. I think that for us, in order to, and I, I don't want to sound preachy, but in order to, maybe you can, maybe you can counter my opinion or tell me some different, or to rise up, right? I think that we have to look at education in a different light especially when it comes to mathematics. And I think that that's going to be one thing that helps us in the long run. I mean, I think that's the the main thing that can help us in the long run. Um, just understanding, once you, once you understand the power of math, the world is at your fingertips. The world it's, is at it, your it's, fingertips. It's really, it's really that simple. Um, well, I mean, math isn't simple, but oh, the no. con- that, that concept is simple. <laughs> that's true you know I, I had a teacher uh first year and she was saying like she taught algebra in eighth grade i taught eighth grade but she taught, she taught algebra in eighth grade and she was saying you know like how kaepernick's getting all these donations and stuff like that like, what if he paid for tutors for oakland students like so for students who are going to school in oakland what if they're able to have a program where you'd have college students come in and tutor these kids because that's what they need. So it's not about just being in the classroom. It's not about being me helping the kids during lunch. They need tutorship. So sometimes you need someone to explain things to you on a one-on-one situation where maybe the teacher doesn't have time to do, or maybe this student has to go home and make food for their sibling. But what if you can have tutors that can tutor the kids on a one-on-one basis? And make out the time. And what if we had the funding for that? So, like, when it comes to math, when it comes to understanding math, getting that feel, because that all comes with practice. And students who don't enjoy it, don't want to do it, will not put in the time to do it. But what if we had people like Kaepernick to raise money for individual tutorship? So, let's say, like, you get, like, a couple college students from, like, local colleges, like Berkeley, Mills College, whatever, to come tutor about three students every every 
three days of the week or something like that. And then, yeah, but I, I, I think that the thing with that is it, it goes back to first you have to promote the idea of how powerful math is. The tutors actually like getting it taught and the tutors can come secondary to implanting into the kids' heads at an early age that math is is cool, it's powerful. Like that I, I think that's kind of the biggest issue because if, if if the kids are going in with the mindset that math is lame and that it's worthless and they're never gonna yeah. use it in the quotes real world yeah. <laughs> then even if you get the best tutors, they're not going to really want, want, they have to want to grasp the concept. Um, so, you know, I, I think like the, I think it just has to kind of start with these, it has to start with rappers stop to stop rapping about, Oh, my teacher said I was mount to nothing. I didn't use math. math. (laughs) (laughs) Now I got more money than them type of thing. Yeah, now the kids think like, man, I don't have to be like my teacher. I'm gonna get more money than my teacher when I grow up. Yeah, exactly. That (laughs) that that kind of stuff. We need to stop normalizing that in rap music and start condemning those rappers for saying that dumb shit. (laughs) So, you know, it's it's. But they got the best beats. Yeah, you know, like they got the best beats. That's how they draw you in. And that's the and that's the problem. (laughs) <laughs> that's the problem like it slaps so it slaps kids, kids listen to it and think that it's the gospel <laughs> the street gospel and yeah. that they need to follow that same path of not giving a shit about math <laughs> <And laughs> so like it's it, it, that's where it, it needs to change and i i don't know if it ever will because you know rap is still our it's it's our music. It's 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 our yeah. culture. So, you know, I I really don't hear that as much in rap music. Any well, actually, I, I just haven't really been listening to much rap. But oh, really? Uh, maybe I've been listening to much new rap. <laughs> uh, like, I I haven't really been keeping up with new music. But um, yeah. So stuff like that. It's gonna have to kind of start with rap music and eliminating that idea that school is lame and that the street hustle is the only way to survive type shit right it has to it has to start with eliminating that out of rap music that's true i think but i i don't i don't think it's possible to eliminate it out of rap i don't think it's impossible to tell some kid because it's a cycle like those kids who didn't even like school might just pick up a mic and be like this works for me fuck school so it's like i don't think you're ever gonna get like a child is like child is, there's a bunch of child is can be in a dudes that can pick it up and be like yeah man make it cool to like like math but in general the music that is very catchy the music that people like that bangs a lot of them are going to be like yeah but you just say i won't be shit and be those type of people that could downplay what math could be but i think it's honestly up to the people that are near the student or near the kid to say this is entertainment this is not how life should be. I remember, like, I was playing some songs. I, I, I play a lot of the new stuff. And my cousin was like, this doesn't reflect your lifestyle. So, like, just having that notion of saying, like, this doesn't reflect your lifestyle. This is entertainment. And not actually internalizing it would actually be more beneficial to the student or to the kid in general. And, and, and not to have him internalize these messages and believe and believe what the person is saying because the lifestyle they're living 
is not a real world lifestyle and a, the things that they're preaching is not of the real world right when you're listening to music you're thinking you're on top of the world you have a bentley jaguar and three beautiful women well, out dep- d- depends on what kind of rap you're listening to depends on what kind of rap but but the stuff that's boring no one listens to the stuff that's on the radio people listen like yeah people would be like yeah i listen to this you know uh neo soul yada yada but that shit doesn't bang like the stuff that gets the kids attention you know that is the thing that's influencing the mind and it's good I, I like it you know everyone likes it but it, it's just a matter of is it affecting the attitude towards something that's beneficial for them and that's my that's my question yeah i mean it's like i said rap rap can be great like sometimes it it help it'll help people get through a situation you know there there's a lot of relatable things in rap so that i'll kind of oh, like yeah debate your I you're saying that you know we can't internalize it because if it's relatable you're gonna internalize it true so true. The, there's, a lot, there's a lot of great I was listening to Jay-Z 444 and there's like pretty much so many great quotables in there that have to do with life that it's, it's hard for you to not internalize it but yeah I think but, it's uh, just I don't want to I don't want to but I don't want to blame rap like I don't want to say like rap is it I just think it's the attitude and I'm not sure what is causing this shift in attitude towards certain subjects. It's like, I don't want to learn the subject and just embracing it wholeheartedly. So I don't know what it is. I don't know if there's a certain culture behind not liking it. And I just want to get to the root of it and try to bridge that gap. Yeah. We, yeah, it would, it would be, uh, would be interesting to get to the bottom of it. But like I said, I think it, a lot of it does have to do with, I think rap, I'm not going to, like, I won't put all the blame on rap, but I definitely think that it has an influence on our youth. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like that kind of street culture of, you know, rap, being on the corner, rapping and all that stuff. Like it kind of, it, it, it has a huge influence on our culture and our, in our youth. So, um, you know, the funny part was when I was in middle school, bro, I was so into Bay Area hip hop. I listened to like every artist under the sun. Every artist, like anyone from like, there's this guy named Bita Wita. <laughs> Dude, he was my, one of my favorite art. Anyone from the Bay Area that picked up a mic, I listened to on the internet. I was scoured in it for hours. since. But you know what the funny part? I was known as such a nerd that I never like really internalized anything. Like I never really like, was like i'm going to be like this person because like i had the glasses the voice so like it never like it never came off like i'm like this but like when i was at home or something like that i had a whole binder you know when like in the middle school you decorated your binder of like your favorite things that defined you like that was a thing in middle school like to decorate your binder with all these stickers so i had all these stickers of like bay area rap album covers on my math binder (laughs) (laughs) but it was just like that like when you're a kid you never know how much that stuff influenced you but like that was everything like that bay area rap music was like the culture the sideshows like, that was super huge to me like that was like everything to me yeah yeah but if, if you could find i feel like maybe if a lot of our entertainers knew how much of an influence they have and i think they do know like obviously they're worldwide and they're all around the world they they, they influence people from fucking sweden to russia but at the end of the day it's like 
they have the most influence on someone that looks like them because the person that's young that looks like them is looking up to them as like mm-hmm. oh that's a that's a grown black male i'm a young black male that's my idol and your brain is gonna do that because you want to be like the person that looks like you like we all we're tribal by nature so like that's gonna be our influence so if our art our entertainers knew how influential they are maybe one day young thug can host a math seminar and how math is important that's all it takes is just that one little push you know yeah definitely <laughs> all and, it takes is one person going you know what let me let me host a math seminar and be like and host a, a thing for children so they can tell them how important math is and then more people will take follow and take suit yeah agreed <laughs> it all just takes just takes a famous it, it 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 definitely needs to be from someone famous i think that's like the the idea is that like yeah i, I can i can go into the the schools and youth and tell them the importance of math but are they really going to give a shit about what i have to say no. because no, like, <laughs> honestly like are they really going to give a shit what we have to say like they're Maybe a professor would come in and be like, I studied chemical engineering. But if freaking Jay-Z walked in with the professor and be like, y'all should do this. This is dope. Then people would be like, oh, well, let me look at chemical engineering. Yeah. Jay-Z said this is dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but just using your platform and your voice to, like, really spread awareness. And I think that that's what we're missing right now. Like, obviously, a lot of entertainers are using the platform and their voice. But they're all saying a lot of the same shit that's going on. And, not a lot. and it's like, you know you've had influence over us for, like, all these years, especially when it comes to us men. And so why don't you use your platform, your voice to spread awareness of like how math can be great and have like a whole episode about famous black mathematicians that we don't know about. Maybe a person that invented the home security system or the stoplight. I don't know. Someone that used math and put it into a greater, a greater project. You know what I'm saying? Like, but we need more of that instead of just donation after donation, you know, just kind of spread awareness a little bit, you know, change, try to change the attitudes because they have the power, you know, instead of just chasing after the check, maybe just reach back and do this one thing for us. Yeah. So um, I'll, I'll, I'll close out by saying everyone should kind of just look back or just like kind of take a step back in life and kind of observe how you use math and how important it is in just your normal life. Just try to just try to think about, you know, how often do you add things together or subtract things or um, just kind of like look at things numbers wise and try to break down in its most basic form math in your life. And I guarantee you will find it somewhere. Even if you don't typically, even if you're not an engineer or you're not like a typical science major or a, an accountant or something that actually uses math to an extreme level, I guarantee you'll find math somewhere in your life. That's true. Like, and a lot of times, like, we need to start teaching this early on before students start going to college because a lot of times, like, they'll go to college or they'll pick a certain major or they'll take a certain loan out and then when they leave they're like how am i going to pay back this loan or how am i going to buy this or afford that and that requires a lot of math balancing credit how how good your credit can be trying to up your credit score and pay back certain loans like that involves a lot of math budgeting all that stuff involves a lot of math sure you can kind of do it in your head sure you might be a hustler 
at some point you're gonna need to use an excel spreadsheet why not start earlier <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah uh, on all anyway. that y'all i think we're gonna call it thanks for uh, rocking with us for this long uh this has been dozing in the morning mike and dozy out yo peace peace